And you know what? Make them open bids. Make them compete against each other. I need other. to speak with you. Sure, sit down. In private. What? Jerry, please. The story broke in the papers this morning. Your father had a criminal record. My father? Are you crazy? A reporter at the Village Voice dug it up. Look, when you were growing up, I mean, no one mentioned anything. Never. Don't ask stupid questions. <laughs> Village Voice. What, you, what, what did this panty sniffer say about my dad? What did he say he did? What? <laughs> he collected money? He got in a fist fight with somebody? Afraid not. Armed robbery. Never. Impossible. They found an arrest. I don't give a shit what they found. It is not true about my father. Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew. And I'm Mark. And you are listening to TV Movie Night. Mark, how the hell are you? Andrew, I'm wonderful. I'm excited for today's episode. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for today. Today is a big day. A big day. Huge day. Well, you know, they they call it a present for the reason, Mark. Yes. Because every day is a gift. gift. Andrew, why, why are you excited for today? Andrew, I got vaccinated a couple <laughs> oh. of days ago. Mark, you know my stance on vaccinations. I do right? know your stance on vaccinations, and now so does the people at the uh, UCLA <laughs> Medical Center where they gave me my vaccine. Uh huh. You just were you pretending to be me, or are you just saying I have a buddy that's he's just he's not a fan of these things here? I said gesture towards the, like an MRI the whole machine. building. Now, I said my buddy is worried that if I get vaccinated, that his baby will get uh, <laughs> autism. autism. And they said that doesn't make any sense. And I said, I'm aware, asking for a friend. Yeah. It's, it's, could, if you, so if he asked, can you just lie and say that you gave me a shot of like, I don't know, I don't know holy water, orange juice? <laughs> well, thank you for, for being concerned about my feelings. Mark. Yeah. Shockingly, doctors don't like my anti-vaxxer routine oh yeah probably because they don't know if like you're being serious if it's for real because they probably just dealt with a guy who was like well you need to check your facts about vaccines He's like i'm glad uh, state-sponsored poison is being injected into my veins and i can't get a job without it but uh you know thanks anyway doctor right Mm mm-hmm and they're like, what job do you have? And he's like, preschool. Yeah. Preschool teacher. <laughs> Male nurse. Yeah. Like, oh, God. <laughs> You're working here? <laughs> Delivery room? <laughs> it's terrifying. Uh, every time that I read something online that's like, talks about anti-vaxxer stances, it's it's horrifying that uh, we have to go through this rigmarole, right? Yes. And then what's even more horrifying is that when you trace back where anti-vaxxer stuff comes from, like the the thing that I have read is that it goes back to this guy who is trying to sell a book about alternatives to vaccines. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just made up stuff about autism. Mm-hmm. And it just drives me crazy that I think it was... Two weeks ago, the BBC released a report that was like, so we, we've we checked. Again, we're wasting all of our time. There is no correlation. Okay? Mm-hmm. Are we good now? Mm-mm. And then they're like, nah. No. Nope. Sorry. 
Well, there was that report of that uh, couple who had their child uh, who had who had gotten tetanus. Yes. And was dealing with lockjaw. Yes. Going through all these painful operations, still wouldn't get him vaccinated. Or like just give him a shot. And uh, then you have uh, a lot of these political parties. I think Ohio has a, a law coming up through its House and Senate that is uh, kind of opening up its, uh, uh, you know, being allowed to abstain from getting vaccines when when entering your children to school cuz right now for religious reasons you can you can opt not to get vaccinated right. but uh certain states are like it's that's it it's only religion okay but uh, other places are like you know maybe the science is in i mean you yeah know, we no, don't know check the facts check, we've gotten so check, yeah, check the, the car, car facts, facts. <laughs> that's, that's, what that's what that's what i keep that saying that fox is like you know, I don't have measles, and uh, you know yeah. that's. I, I'm, I'm assuming I'll never get measles. That's what that fox is saying. I, I had, I had to get shots to live in the dorms at the college that I went to. Yeah, usually you have to get an MMR. I had to get a couple of them: mumps, measles, measles and rubella. rubella. Yeah, and big, then, that big bleb. They give you the bleb shot. Yeah, just. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, that 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 lump will go down eventually. eventually. I like how we have gotten so far removed from the smallpox epidemic and polio and all of these devastating diseases that we can now rest on our laurels to be like, maybe we don't need to. Well, I think that there's herd immunity is what everybody's counting on, which is like every if every other kid has the vaccine, but my kid doesn't. My kid will still be fine because everybody there around doesn't have smallpox. But what if everybody else takes that? But that's what everybody's doing, and that's why there's outbreaks. And also, it it only it only looks to help people who physically can't get a vaccine. Right. If because of illness that they can't receive the vaccine, you hope that the herd vaccination will carry them through. Right. But if you have other people slipping in who are just like, oh, no, no, if no, no, you have no, more no. and more people I, who I, don't have I it, then it of, won't work. I half read a book once, okay? Right. And uh, it, what it what it was in it, the gist of what I saw, scared the hell out of me, right. okay? Think about it. As a mother, oh, okay, okay, I was mortified. Andrew, I got this shot. Yeah, because you're going uh, because you're, I'm going on I'm going on a work trip. You're going on a work trip for a while. For you're, a while, you're going I'm very to a excited. Foreign country, yes. And uh, so I want to warn everybody now, there will be some changes to the show, but provided I come back alive, you'll you'll hear the great show that you've always heard. Mm-hmm. But there, there, Andrew has said that there's there might be some guests. There might be some guests. There might be some changes of format. Uh, we might do the show where I'm shouting on my phone while uh, I'm driving uh-huh. to work. Yeah, we can just hear. I, I don't I don't know what country you're going to is. So just we're just gonna hear like uh, a lovely accordion music, or uh, no, it's it's like gonna the Swiss Alps. We're gonna hear one of those horns, is like a uh, Ricola horn. Yeah, you're gonna think that I'm in line for the Matterhorn all the time. Oh. <laughs> like, are you playing cliffhanger back there? What is going on? Warning, fair warning. But about that's that. that's that's a little bit in the distance. We don't have to go into it too much, but we will probably be banking some episodes. So don't worry, you're still gonna get your your episodes. Damn all right. show, and please don't talk- be don't be mad at us if we miss something that happened in the news, <laughs> or if we're talking about how some celebrity that we all love is a nice, generous man, and we'll never find out something we bad about never Richard a Kind. Gross sex criminal. 
right? <laughs> is Richard Kind safe? I well, I at this yes, I'm I'm, I'm today con- today this this day that we are recording this, Richard Kind is safe and is not a gross sex criminal. But if that changes, I'll try and cut out the word "not." Okay, and then we'll just then it'll work. <laughs> Richard Kind is sex criminal is what it's going to sound like. <laughs> Well, uh, it's it's gonna be great, Mark. I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're 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 hale and hearty, and you got all your shots. Okay. Yeah. You only have to, you know you only have to go back in six months and get another round, I guess. Uh, well, the re- the reason I I went to a doctor's office to get this. Well, this is yeah, that's good because as opposed to like what street because, corner. Well, no, the producers when they called me, they were like, "You can come into the production office." And we'll have like a nurse or something, is what he said, and they'll give you the shot. Uh, like a like a really smart cat. <laughs> so they're like, we'll do that, or you know, if you want to pay and then bring us a receipt, maybe we can reimburse you. I don't know. And so I had this vision in my head of going into a production office, which I don't know if anybody's if those who don't work in entertainment. A production office is gross. Yeah, it's just it's, it's a couple desks that are just piled high with papers, with papers and like trash that it, they haven't managed to get outside yet. Yes, and old food from like seasons ago. It's it's a mess. It's a disgusting mess. And I had this vision of going into one, and the person's like, "All right, if you don't mind, please drop your pants and bend over." And then I like expose my butt and then they stab me in the arm and they're like all right pull them up and then like wait what just happened why did you do that like i don't know i I read a book it Uh, said you're supposed to take off your pants take off your pants and then inject so So, uh, i'm not gonna touch your butt that's that's gross gross. (laughs) that's where poop comes from (laughs) (laughs) good enough for me yeah i'm like thank you nurse and oh i'm not a nurse just your eyes just get your pupils just yeah. absolutely insanely huge. Well, Mark, speaking of huge messes, television movie night. This this show, <laughs> this opening is a big mess. TV movie night is your home for made-for-TV movies. You and I watched a film, a made-for-TV film, and we will discuss it at length. We are still in the month of March, which means we are talking about bio pictures. Ah, yes. <laughs> the pictures. This week, Mark, we watched... A 2003 classic entitled Rudy, the Rudy Giuliani story. Now, is it, it's Rudy, semicolon, the the Rudy Rudy Giuliani Giuliani story. story. That's correct. Based on the book, Rudy, Rudy! yes, with an exclamation mark, (laughs) which I assume just is, it's very close to Jeb, but uh, (laughs) something short, like Kip, Kip, Jeb, I want an apology, and then I want him fired. But we're going to talk about it at length in a segment I like to call, well... What do you know? Mark, Rudy, the Rudy Giuliani story premiered on USA on March 30th, 2003. 2003, a mere two years after 9-11. Less than two years after 9-11. This starred James Woods. Yes, noted. Classic actor James Woods. My mom had a crush on James Woods. Hmm. For a long time, probably when he was in like movies in the eighties, I would yeah, assume. Yeah. Like, um, there's like that Oliver Stone one. I because I because I I always think like, what movie did she see him in where she was like, oh, was he in? Was, he was in Nixon, or was he in JFK? He was definitely in JFK, but there was one Oliver Stone one back in the eighties that's like about a photographer mm-hmm. in a Banana Republic, and she was a big fan. And I 
that's what I assume. Well, James Woods has been in a bunch of stuff. He was in uh, Casino. He was the dirtbag yes. boyfriend in Casino. Best he's role in... his of his life. He's in John Carpenter's Vampires. Mm-hmm. He's in uh, Hercules, the Disney film. Yes. He's Hades. in uh, one episode of The Simpsons. Yes, and then the and then Seth MacFarlane saw that and, and was said, like, "Oh, I'll do that." I want. He had a, he has a recurring Let's role. Let's have in him Family on all Guy. the time. Uh, Steal that joke too. Yeah, James Woods uh, is a bit of a uh, con- a bit of a bit of a right wing uh, vocal right wing actor. Yes, on Noted Twitter conserv- specific- conservative specifically. James Wood. So uh, let's see if that influences this film. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. This also stars uh, Penelope Ann Miller. Yes, who was in uh, the Artist. She was in uh, a show called A Minute with Stan Hooper. Do you remember this show? Yes, that was with Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald, his like one of three attempts to try and push him as like a sitcom right. guy. The Norm had, Show he had was the amazing. The Norm Show, which was good. And then he had A Minute with Stan Hooper, which is based on an SNL character that I don't think anybody remembers. No. And then he had a third go at it. I can't remember what the fuck it was called. But um, now Stan Hooper, he was like a... He's like a sports columnist or something like that, and I I, I yes. want to. I'm pretty it's confident. It's not. It's not. Everybody loves Raymond. No, it is not. No, even the, though that is also about a sports writer with a very this, that was wife. for Fox. Uh, she was also in the Shadow. Yes. What evil lies in the villains' hearts? There's only one person that knows. The Shadow knows. Andrew, I know a guy. I know a guy. I know a guy. I know a guy. I shot a guy. I know a guy who was talking. At work about uh, his new tattoo that he's very excited about. Okay. And then later I was waiting in line for the bathroom and I saw the guy and I was like, oh, I want And he had mentioned that his tattoo was on his forearm mm-hmm. going basically from his wrist to the inside elbow joint. Mm-hmm. And when I looked, I burst out laughing <laughs> uncontrollably because what he had tattooed was... The dagger from the shadow. Oh, <laughs> the one with the creepy face on yeah. it. Yeah, and he like looked, at, and I was like, "Is that is that the knife from the shadow?" And he was like, "Uh, yeah, you're you're the only person that's recognized <laughs> it." And I was like, "Oh, I recognize it." Oh, I I know. And then he was like, and then and then on his other forearm, he had the ring from the Phantom. Yes. <laughs> Billy Zane just looking very disappointed. And he was like, that's general. That's not the reaction I was hoping for. And I was like, I don't know what to say. I feel bad because I'm laughing at your tattoo. Oh my God. It's like you got Dark Man on my back. It's like you got the Rocketeer somewhere. He was like, I'm thinking about it. It's like a Meteor Man on my ankle. I just, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. It was well done. I bet it was. And it was expensive looking. And I was like, why the what, fuck? Yeah, what prompted him? Did you do that? To get the knife from the shadow. I Nobody knows. Nobody I mean, has just, any idea. Did he just go in and he's he was looking at the board and he's like, no, not a dolphin. Yeah, I don't want a dolphin. No, I don't want a no, Chinese no, character no that you say means <laughs> peace. Yeah, I don't want that. Oh, the shadow? The shadow knife? Yeah, yeah give me that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's covered in dust. They're like, uh, yeah, nobody really goes for this one. Uh, haven't updated the book since 1991. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have. I can't. I don't have too firm a place to stand on because I have a Hellboy tattoo. Uh huh. But it's small in comparison to <laughs> this thing that is covering his entire arm. 
And the shadow is such a specific, it's, like, yes, 19... Alec Baldwin. So. Gandalf is in it? Yeah, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen's there. Mm-hmm. This was directed by Robert Dornhelm, who uh, has directed a bunch of other TV movies and TV miniseries, including Spartacus, oh. War and Peace, yes. Into the West, of course, and RFK. These are all television uh, miniseries. I think I saw Into the West. I, that one is probably the most famous one out of that list. Yeah. This was written by Stanley Weiser, who uh, wrote Wall Street, the original Wall Street. Really? And also wrote Oliver Stone's W. Oh, Remember W? Remember W? Remember how everyone was like, we're going to not, we're going to take him down a peg. W. W reminds me a lot of this movie, or this movie reminds me a lot of W, where it's like stuff happens. Mm -hmm. You mostly remember it because it just happened. And you got a guy doing a passable impersonation. Kind of uh, portrayal. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't remember seeing W. I just remember. This was when everyone was like, oh, Oliver Stone's crazy. That's right. Oh, of course. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) We all love Nixon and JFK, but now that I see it laid out like this, he's he's insane. W. Uh, This was based on the book Rudy, an investigative biography of Rudy Giuliani by Wayne Barrett. Wayne Barrett. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting because the the first printing of this book uh, was in 2000. Okay, so so a little bit before, before 9-11. What he would be most famous for Correct. at this point. Yeah. So the big stirring conclusion is missing from, I'm assuming, first editions. Yeah. Then uh, this this movie actually was also nominated for two Emmys. Didn't it win? Did not win. Oh, James Wood did not win. Did not win. James Wood was nominated for Best uh, Male Lead in a TV Movie or Special. and was also nominated for Best Makeup in a TV Movie or Special because... James Woods has prosthetics Some. and false teeth in yeah. as well to replicate uh, Rudy Giuliani's face. Now, Mark, before we jump into this, what did you think this movie was going to be like or about other than Rudy? Rudy. Andrew, I assumed that this was going to be a kind of a big man in politics retrospective on the life of Rudy Giuliani and yeah. would show because I because we know now that, or probably knew then that James Woods is a outspoken conservative mm-hmm. I assume that it would show Rudy Giuliani in only the most glowing light I assume that it would be way to the right but we also and would reshape history a little bit and I assumed that it would go into 9/11 in great deal well, a great uh, a lot because it was only less than two years after 9-11. It was still fresh. America still liked Rudy Giuliani because like he was America's. He was America's mayor. mayor Oprah called right. him America's mayor. And we have to remember. We actually have to remember in 2000. Was he time man? He was times man of the year in 2001. And uh, we have to remember that in 2003. So this was less than less than 18 months removed from 9-11 that there was such a glow and such a shine on Rudy Giuliani that makes me wonder if it this movie takes a critical eye at Rudy Giuliani only because most people are like, the man can do no wrong. Yeah. He saved New York City. And if you just did it that way, people would say, well, that's not a realistic take on him. Right. So they have to put in the actual criticisms of the man into the movie. Versus, in order to make it in any way interesting. Versus if the movie was shot now, right. they would like 
just pile it on. Yeah, just tear them apart. Right. And uh, so it's it's interesting because we're seeing this movie is through the lens of 2003. We're now in 2019 and we have an additional 16 years of evidence about this man that we can add to the dossier. Here. Right. And we've also just seen him on the news almost every week defending the president in some of the most insane ways. Correct. But we'll get into that. But let's get into this movie. We open up act one, scene one. Rudy is driving with his security team through the streets of New York City. We get a bunch of B-roll of New York City, and then here he is contemplating. It's September 10th, 2001. Think about it. Rudy seems distracted, and they talk about fishing. He talks about fishing with the security detail. It's uh, in September 10th, 2001. Now, I want to point this out, that this movie is basically kind of moment-to-moment in terms of, like, the general facts, but... Uh, uh, we'll, I'll try and, uh, give more elaboration as to like what's happening right in Rudy's life during these, uh, during these scenes. But on September 10th, 2001, it doesn't necessarily say it in the, in the movie, but this is Rudy's a lame duck mayor at this point. He can't run for reelection because he's a two term mayor and, uh, he, there's a, there's a term limit on, on being able to run. So he's on his way out. All right. And New Yorkers don't like him. <laughs> right. They don't like him. And the movie doesn't necessarily go into detail about why they don't like him on the 10th, right? There's a, right. There's a random guy on the street that screams at him in a later scene. Yes. And Rudy's like, eh, what are you going to do? People don't like me. He talks it's like, to... why Why don't they like well, him, though? Well, I mean, we, you know. You, we know now, but set, they don't. You set the, you know, it's like Rudy's a beaten up mayor. He's on his way out. He laments that he gets continually beat up in the press, and all he wants to do is look at his city. He just wants to yes. sit and just drive by in, in his city, and then there's opera music that plays. We then fade to the morning of September 11, 2001. Rudy gets out of his car and goes into a hotel only to get yelled at by some guy that's happy yes. that he's on his way out. You're on your way out, man! He's like, you're, you're a fucking bum. Yeah. You're a fucking bum. During his breakfast, a bunch of his security detail run in and inform him of something, and then they uh, they 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 run out. They run out the doors. Right. I wonder what it is that they they. The McRib is back. <laughs> I would love it if if I was on a show or I was running a, a thing, and I was like, if if there's a press release that ever says that the McRib is coming back, I want you to immediately rush into whatever I'm rooming. Whisper it in my ear, and then I have to be like, "I have to take I, this. I have to, I have to go. I have to go. Something just came up. It's either the McRib is back, or Robert Pattinson finally got that job that he always wanted. <laughs> he's like, oh, good for him. I'm excited. I, what, yeah, he's what, gotten past the stuff with his dad. What day is that starting? Oh, oh. well, it doesn't matter. It's Where like, is it? Why Somewhere is it, in downtown. Why is okay, starting, cool. Why is it starting on a Tuesday? That's weird. <laughs> Generally, it's a Monday, but whatever. But whatever. What? Remember me? <laughs> Do you think that's what he just tells people all the time? He's yeah. walking down the street like, remember, remember me? <laughs> we change the the shot composition, then changes to handheld news-like footage. As uh, we see Rudy, who's being played here by James Woods, giving yes. commands on the ground uh, about the next step because we see we're, we're intercutting scenes where he has rushed to the scene of the World Trade Center. Right. And we're intercutting it with actual, honest-to-God news footage of 9-11. Right. Mark, I think this is tacky as hell. 
I think this is a real shit way to uh, incorporate footage of one of the greatest national tragedies America has ever faced to put together your dumb USA TV movie. Yes, I would argue it's distracting. It's hard to watch now because it's some it's very upsetting footage. I would argue that at the time, I'm sure somebody at USA or the director or somebody was like, look, this isn't footage people haven't seen before. It was all over the news for two and a half weeks, the same clips over and over again. Like, we're just reminding people of what it was. You know, it's not like we're showing... It's not like those Jonestown tapes yeah, where nobody had ever heard this. Nobody knew what this was. And they were like, oh, my God, this is horrifying. These people are dying. They're like, well, you you already saw it. We're just reminding you. If we do a fa- if we do a facsimile, it's not going to look as good. It's not going to have the impact. I don't. Is it tacky you, today? Yes. Do you don't need to show it. it it's honestly, if 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 Rudy went down to the World Trade Center, right, and mm-hmm. he's like, we need to get those people out of there. We need to move a mobile command center over here. Blah blah blah. And you're just shooting it like it's it's handheld, and then. We see if if you want to replicate that something has happened, that there's an explosion or the whatever the issue is, you can do it off screen and people can react to it. But I feel it feels really weird and disingenuous to insert this real life footage of this real tragedy into this movie. Yeah, it'd be like if you were I mean, movies have been made about Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Do they insert like real life war footage into movies about world about Pearl Harbor? Generally not, right? Or like, but they always real. Re- you know, there, there, how many movies had those nuclear bomb tests? That that one but, shot over and over again. But, but that's a test. That's a test. That's literally just sand in the middle of the Arizona the Nevada desert. Sure, John Wayne getting cancer from it. <laughs> The the yeah it's this this is this was the most it, I was like this that's tacky, but uh, Rudy mentions uh, he mentions that the command center he he meant a police officer comes up to him and he's like I want the command center open, and the uh, uh, the officer says well the command center is closed it's in it's in World Trade Center it's in World Trade One yeah and uh, and him and uh, the police officer have a little bit of an argument this is actually a a point of contention in the cabinet. That uh, the, it came out that apparently in after the '93 World Trade Center bombing, uh-huh. they went back to to Rudy Giuliani and they're like, "We need to move the this command center that uh, effectively like n- the New York Police Department ran a command center out of this office in at the World Trade Center." Yes. So the bombing happens in '93, and they say we would prefer to move it to Brooklyn because uh, it seems like it's a big target. And we won't be able to effectively run our command center if there's another issue like a bombing from 93. And supposedly Rudy said... It was the parking garage, right? Yes, it was underneath the building. Yeah. So then Rudy... It came out that Rudy was like, no, leave it there. Yeah. So then when this happens, now it's a big to-do. Then afterwards, Rudy threw his administration under the bus to say, nobody ever told me about this. Right. Even though... <laughs> they provided like paperwork to say yeah, we've he got the specifically receipts. turned it down and said don't move it because there was also like fuel because there were there were diesel fuel tanks that needed to power it separately as well in case the power was cut to right. the building so uh, all of this stuff 
So this gets dropped in very briefly in the scene, but this is what it's referring to. Right. Which is kind of going to be a theme throughout the movie is they're going to drop stuff in and either assume that you know the rest of the story uh-huh. or just gloss over the parts that they don't necessarily want to get into. Right. Yeah. Which is weird. Why not? Well, just don't include it then. Right. But this stuff at the top of the movie, aside from how jarring and upsetting it is to watch that footage, it shows Rudy springing into action. Yes. Rudy's a tough talker. He's going to get it done. Even though when, even though he was down and out before, he loves the city enough that as soon as there's any issue, he springs into action, and he's automatically calling the shots and running everything, even from the street, as right. this thing is unfolding. Right. When shit goes down, he is... He's the guy you want. He's the guy. And I was like, okay, I get that. I understand that. I, I think I understand what this movie is. So there's a massive explosion, and then we fade. We fade back... To Miami, 1982, a younger Rudy Giuliani is being interviewed on a morning talk show in Miami by Donna Hanover. Good morning, Miami. Uh, At this point, Rudy is the associate attorney general under Ronald Reagan, and he's asked about his policy of deporting Haitian asylum seekers. Right. Which was a thing. She she uh, this this morning show starts up and she's like, Mr. Giuliani, I want to ask you a very tough question about Haitians. And then he's like, that is a tough question. And I'm glad you asked it. Well, let me give a we're out of time. <laughs> very let me give a very concise but detailed explanation of the difference between political asylum and uh economic, economic asylum. asylum. Yes. He says that he's just following the law, that even though Cuban Cuban refugees are fleeing and declaring political asylum, the United States has not classified Haiti as uh, needing being under such uh, oppression that people fleeing there would be able to claim political asylum. Right. So, so that's why he's allowed to deport them under the law versus Cuban refugees who are coming into Florida. Right. So he establishes that his job is to follow the is to execute the law, whatever it is, whatever your personal feelings are. It doesn't matter. The it doesn't matter. The, law. the law's the law, and that's what he does. He says, so, "I am the law." Yeah. He says, "Judge." He says, Is, <laughs> "You judge, have been jury judged. and executioner." <laughs> this scene mostly works. Apparently, in it's 1989, 1982, and apparently in 1982, morning shows were approximately two and a half minutes two, long. Two and a half minutes. Yes, we get it. Because <laughs> she asks him one question, he gives one answer. Then she's like, "Well, see you tomorrow." <laughs> there's and some then credits. There's some producer that's like, "We have 50." Nope, we're done. It just, just takes off her microphone. <laughs> oh, jeez. That was a good episode, huh? Uh, Wolf, Wolf, they pan by and Wolfgang Puck is like, <laughs> he has a kitchen set up. He's like, I, I thought I was making an omelet. We're not, we're not doing that? Oh. Okay. Okay. Bye. At the end of this, Rudy decides to ask Donna out on a date. At dinner, Donna and Rudy talk about their families. Rudy says the law, the Yankees, and opera are the three most important things in his life. Yeah. <laughs> what a lame-o. <laughs> <laughs> what a dork. Like, I love, I love the law, I love the Yankees, and I love opera. I remember my... this. I don't even think Frazier would say something like this. This, this reminds me very much of my first date when I told my current girlfriend, Katie. She, I said, there's three things that I love. Not spending a lot of money on mm-hmm. dinner. This dinner being over and opera. <laughs> she said, I hate all of all those, of those things. things. 
Walking on the beach, Donna asks Rudy about his first wife. He says that he wasn't much of a cuddler. Okay, okay, all right. All right, all right, now, hold on a second, hold on. Uh, well, a, lot okay. of people, a lot of people are wondering about my first wife. Let's just, I just want to get out ahead of this. You know what? I'm a, I'm a tough talker. Sometimes, you know, I'm not, not as present as I should be. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've read about, what is it, uh, love languages? Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is not physical touch. <laughs> it's, it's opera. It's opera. <laughs> so It's that, opera and law. Yeah. We just sit around talking about legal briefs and listen to Wagner. I, I express my love in the form of Yankees. <laughs> she's like, oh, you seem all right. <laughs> Andrew, what you is... You seem mentally stable. Andrew, do we know what the actual details of his first marriage were well uh his he was married for uh, uh several years to a woman uh who was his second cousin right now, that is that is true that is not a bit i'm not it's not a joke this isn't like last week when i said that abbott could only get erect when somebody's <laughs> laughing at him Just and he gets punched him. in the dick yes he was married to a second cousin for they had the same grandmother several years i believe that's correct and the story is is that once they found out they were second cousins they decided to divorce which some people in his family dispute yes people in his family say no they, they knew. always knew we always knew you don't grow up with somebody and then be like oh, i'm sure we're not related at this point in his life, Rudy is separated from his first wife. Yes. And he's going on this date with Donna, but they are not officially divorced, nor has their marriage been annulled by the Roman Catholic Church. Rudy wants to get back to New York City. That's what he says. And he says that he used to be, now this is something that's true, he used to be a Democrat, then he switched his affiliation to Independent, then he switched his affiliation to Republican. He says that Democrats always just talk about wanting to make changes for the better. Make things better. But Republicans actually make things for the better. I think his line is, do whatever it takes yeah. to make things better. And I understand that. I, I guess what I'm saying, what I, what I, what I, what my thought is, better for who? Mm-hmm. And what does whatever it takes mean? Whatever it, it takes. At all costs. As long as it doesn't affect the law, the Yankees are opera. Because now we know that whatever it takes probably means disenfranchising voters. Sure. Gerrymandering. Gotta get it done. Uh, cutting. Look, I got a punch list here. I got a, I got a to-do list. I yeah. got things to get done. And if it just involves hiding a bunch of voting machines in a warehouse somewhere, you know? Right. Or throwing away absentee ballots, then yeah, no, that's no, what you, it takes. You don't throw them away. You fill them out. Oh, that's they, what they, they didn't fill them out. Some, you know, the, they printed those ballots. You don't want to just throw them in a landfill. You no, don't want to go to waste. It's wasteful. Uh, this impre- apparently impresses Donna and the two kiss on the beach. We then fade to New York City, 1984, as Rudy carries Donna over the threshold. They are married. In their apartment now. Y- yes, right? this beautiful apartment. <laughs> we then cut to the office of the U.S. It's $5,000. <laughs> we have two roommates, and it's a loft. <laughs> and it's only a half bath. <laughs> So, welcome to the rest of your life, honey. <laughs> we cut to the office of the U.S. Attorney. Rudy is now the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York, which is technically a demotion, mind you, yeah. from Assistant Attorney General to just being the uh, Attorney for the Southern District of New York. But it's a pretty big distinction, and Rudy says that he wants to be there because he loves New York City. And he tells this staff that they become fat and lazy. Yes, he says he wants to crack the whip. He wants to scare criminals, all right? He wants he wants all the mob bosses dead. He <laughs> wants them taken down. All right, we're going to clean up this city. Well, Rudy basically says that criminals are a 
cowardice and superstitious bunch yeah. in that he will <laughs> don the persona of the thing that scares him the most bats bats and scare the criminals off the streets mm-hmm. basically he is the attorney general not the one we want <laughs> but the one we deserve the one we deserve he uh finds a person sleeping in his meeting and he boots him out of the meeting right he's he's so we see this is he's come to clean up new york city that's what the scene is telling yes. us all right Running with an assistant, he drops by a construction site. Rudy is uh, out for a jog, and uh, he finds a bunch of mob workers that are at a construction site and tells them he's going to put their bosses in jail. Yes. The assistant tells him that they are facing a very organized front against the mob, and he says, you want them in jail, you give us the tools to do it, all right? Right. uh, The other side's more organized than we are. Andrew, I love to imagine... Ever since last week, I love watching movies and imagining us in these scenes. <laughs> so the idea of you and I jogging and having a conversation really makes me laugh because <laughs> I haven't exercised in years. I just you're just laying so, face down on the sidewalk. <laughs> they might as well call this construction site Gambino, Gambino, and <laughs> oh god. Oh, like, you guys, you oh guys I've got a, a stitch. You guys got a phone or oh, something? Oh, I've got a stitch. Oh, my side. <laughs> you want, Andrew, you want to you clean up this city? Give me the two. Oh, he God. Needs, he needs some pedia. Oh, God, I'm peeing myself. <laughs> oh. it's, only, it's only been half a kilometer. Yeah, we've done, we've done half a block, Gonzalez. we got to move. <laughs> we then fade to present day. We're back on September 11th. Cold and I'm hot. <laughs> I need one of those silver blankets. <laughs> Uh, we're back in September 11, 2001. Rudy has a mobile command center up and running, and he talks to the White House. The first building of the World Trade Center collapses. Goes down. Still tacky. They show it. They show the fucking building collapsing. Yeah. Uh, everyone evacuates, and there's confusion as to where to go as they go underneath the building into, like, uh, like the subway track or something. I don't I think know. think they're in the Jeffrey tubes, aren't they? <laughs> Rudy takes charge right away. Yes. He's like, women and children in the front. Uh, party in the back. Uh, give me a flashlight. Who's got a flashlight? Give me a flashlight. Where's the camera? We're going this way. We're going this way. Who, Who let, let the, the dogs, dogs out? out? Oh, turn around. Turn around. No good. No good. Go back. Go yeah, back. He like kicks open a door and he's he's the action hero again that we deserve. Yeah. He says, come out to Tower One. Have a few laughs. <laughs> uh, ho, th- ho, ho. They get outside and they note that uh, Tower One is gone. We then fade to New York City, 1985. Donna returns home from getting some groceries Rudy's there. We see them. They seem like a lovely couple. They listen to some opera again. They eat some some uh, crudite and, and cheese. Andrew, this had one of those mo- movie tropes that we all love. Big old thing of bread. She has three baguettes <laughs> in this grocery bag. I was like, are you guys having a party? What are you doing? How do we know what she's bringing home? It could be a, a thing of tapes, maybe yeah, some library just, books, yeah. a bag of kittens. We don't know. More bags? <laughs> How will we ever know that she went grocery shopping? Uh, however, we then fade to nighttime, and Rudy is uh, nose deep in a book. He's uh, he's reading up on the mob boss that he's trying to take down, but Donna's like, it's time for bed. Let's come to bed. Yeah. Sailor? Want to fuck? He's like... Look, uh, again, law, Yankees, opera, right? <laughs> you Just, are um, neither of those three things, are you? Uh, you are you the, A-Rod? Check the list. I don't think you're A-Rod. <laughs> Just points to the list as yeah. he's reading. <laughs> you're not A-Rod, a tort, or Philip Glass. 
Rudy notes that this is a big deal, and he says, I want to make things better. So, you know, my right. marriage is going to have to go by the wayside while I uh, hunt down this criminal. Right. Now, this scene is intended to show that Rudy cares more about the law and that if things don't work out between him and his wife, which we know they will not work out, mm-hmm. it's because he cares too much he cares about too much. He the loves city. the city too much. Rudy then explains to his associates that he wants to charge multiple mob bosses under the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, otherwise known as RICO. He wants to charge them all at the same time. He feels like even though there's in separate mobs, that uh, all of them have an understanding with each other, which means that RICO would apply to all of them. Yes, you can tie them all together for conspiracy to commit crimes, whether or not they have evidence for it, as long as they can get enough stuff on one guy. Andrew, the thing that I noticed about this scene is, do you know what city they're in? New York City. Do you know how you know that they're in New York City? Uh, There's a billion (laughs) Olympia coffee cups in every shot. How's he going to know? How are we going to know? So many so that I was like, are they in the warehouse where they make Olympia coffee cups? No, they're on a law and order set. They seem to be reproducing. (laughs) Like every time we cut to a wide, there's there's 30 more. Three more. We then get B-roll as Elliot Ness sends out his untouchables (laughs) to go gather up. Meanwhile, (laughs) Elliot Ness and his untouchables speed towards a speakeasy in Berwyn. We uh, they we get a B-roll of a bunch of perp walks, which this was a thing. Is that this re- real footage? This is real footage. Okay. Rudy Giuliani was a huge fan of doing this, that he would arrest people and then trot them out in front of the press. He would still set up these big perp walks to shame them in front of the press. Yeah. So that's what he did. That's what is happening here, that all these mob bosses are getting uh, uh, brought into the court through the front steps so that you have a big scrum of reporters. Outside... Rudy says there's still more to do on these arrests, and he compares it to the third act of a Wagnerian opera. opera. I don't know if this is a real quote, but I'm like, man, oh, man. That sucks. What a loser. What I wanted was, I, <laughs> as we talk about what a loser he is for liking opera, I wanted one of the- No, uh, it's, not that, it's not that he likes opera. And, it's and that he's he keeps a loser. talking it's about it? It's just like he keeps hammering it in to the point where you're like, man- Fuck you. Well, I wanted one of the interviewers or one of the press people to say, do you think this is like the ring cycle at all? And then he'd be like, sure, it's like the ring cycle. And they'd be like, weird, because doesn't the hero have sex with his sister in that? (laughs) And he'd be like, maybe. (laughs) Pouring sweat. We then cut to his office as he gets a lot of good press from uh, local newspapers, but he's gotten a tip about the uh, SEC about potential issues with certain investors. Mm-hmm. Insider trading. This scene, I didn't understand. He goes, I wasn't sure what's going... Because they go to a restaurant. He, he So he goes to a restaurant to talk with tipsters to get information on Ivan Boski and Michael Milken. So yes. these two guys were accused of insider trading and giving each other tips and giving others tips about when to sell stock, et cetera, et cetera. Technically, this occurred before the mob stuff. This was like one of his first big cases was this uh, insider trading thing. But uh, it's not that important that they shifted around, I guess. So then Rudy brings in uh, Ivan Boski. Now, to 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 put this in perspective, Ivan Boski is the basis for Gordon Gecko in okay. Wall Street. Yeah. So this is the guy that effectively said greed, greed is, good. is good. Yes. He then pushes Boski to roll on Milken. So he goes Who to is 
the character that they based Michael Sheen on? Michael Madsen. Michael on. Madsen on? Yeah, yeah that's the, right. The, the, the man, the actor Michael Madsen based on <laughs> Michael Milken. No, Michael Madsen from The Natural where it, when he plays a baseball player that gets like shot by a lover <laughs> yeah that's all yeah, based on yeah that. this is uh, this is that guy yeah. it's it's weird uh no he, i think he gets beamed in the head and robert redford gets shot by a lover anyways andrew this scene was really weird because rudy's like here's the deal asshole mm-hmm. you're gonna wear this fucking wire you're gonna give me milkin and if you don't do what i want you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. If you do what I want, you're going to go to jail for less time. Yeah. So put on this fucking wire. And then he throws a, a mic pack at him yeah. and leaves the room. And I, we hold on the guy looking at the microphone. And then he puts it in his pocket. And I was, I was like, yeah, that's what you would do. Because generally there's the scene where they like they tape, tape it, it to his you. Chest and they're tell like, you what to do. T- talking to it. And right. Like, so if you, yeah. Whereas the code here, word, the code word is uh, watermelon yeah, or cauliflower. Swordfish. Whereas here the, the idea is like, okay, I guess I'll put this in my pocket. <laughs> is this, what, am, what am I recording? I is it on now? Yeah. What is the range on this? <laughs> Rudy and Donna toast to their successes. The news on a local t- a TV at this party they're at plays that Milken has been sentenced to jail. They are at a posh party. The two of them dance and Rudy mentions that he's considering running for the mayoral race. Yes. And all right, we've set it up. Rudy had a successful career as a prosecutor in not only at the federal level, but at the state level. Now, he's thinking about running for mayor. They dance. End act one. And I believe that there is zero chemistry between these two. No, it's, it's they, they are, are just not literally reciting lines. Yeah. Act two, it's now spring 1989. Rudy discusses getting liberal support with the uh, Democratic Party chair. However, they don't want to support him with his pro-death penalty stances. Yes. He says, well, I I would pr- love to be an infusion of both liberal and conservative ideals. He's like, I'm pro-gay rights. I'm, uh, But he's staunchly anti-abortion because he's a Catholic. Correct. He says, the, the party chair says, well, what can you do about that? He's like, if Roe v. Wade goes away... There are multiple laws in the books here in the, in New York State that would uh, uh, allow abortion to continue. Right. Would would you go after those? Rudy says, even though I'm pro life, I would I wouldn't say the law is the law and right. wouldn't touch anything and, and and have it continue here in New York State. This seems to satisfy this party chair. Rudy's on the campaign trail. He's running for mayor, knocking on doors, Doing kissing it. babies. Yeah. Putting on buttons. We see that David Dinkins is his opponent. Yes, Mayor Dinkins. If you don't remember correctly, David Dinkins won an upset in the primary against the sitting mayor at the time, Ed Koch. And it became... How am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? He, uh, uh, Ed Koch then would go on to be the judge on a couple seasons of the People's Court. Wonderful. (laughs) Do we remember this? Yes. Remember this? Uh, Dinkins... They don't really go into this, but like Dinkins was known for, uh, it was he had a, he was mayor of New York in a very difficult time. Yes, not that there's ever been an easy time to be mayor of New York. Uh, there was a very controversial uh, race riot that they don't touch talk about in this, where a Orthodox rabbi, uh, his car accident was ran a red light, hit. Uh, another car and then crushed some uh, youths 
some <laughs> two utes. Two utes. This caused a big, big riot. Yeah, Dinkins didn't really handle it very well. It was, it was a big issue. Well, Dinkins is only running for he's because Koch was the sitting mayor. Yes, so Koch is not he's not able to run because he didn't secure the the primary. Right. So it's anybody's. So game. it's anybody's game. Dinkins. So Rudy hammers uh, David Dinkins on uh, his crime stances. He Rudy says, "I will be tough on crime." Donna, oh, he shoots a weird commercial where he's like, why don't you go ask a fucking drug dealer, rapist, or who, killer yeah, who, who they're afraid of in the in the office? I bet it's me. <laughs> I'm then, the tough man. Yeah. And now, if you'll excuse me, I, I love OM is playing. <laughs> and then um, Donna, he's like, how'd I do? And Donna's like, you kind of sound like an asshole. He's insane. <laughs> he and he's like, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rush, isn't it? They love it. <laughs> Like, I, you could hear all the people applauding. Right. You need to, you kind of need to tap the brakes a little bit. Yeah, Donna's frustrated as uh, Rudy says, "Look, you need to get behind me, okay? You need some fucking support over here. Right? You want to get nuts? You want to get mayor? Let's <laughs> get mayor." Donna is. Donna seems like she's frustrated with Rudy because Rudy seems more focused on winning this election than actually having like a personal contact with anyone that isn't a member of the Yankees. <laughs> On stage at an opera or currently reading uh, some kind of law tome. Right. Rudy then also yells at a window washer that is trying to wash the uh, windshield of his uh, minivan. (laughs) Yeah, just screams at the guy. This scene I kind of loved because they're like, he's like, did you give him a dollar? And he's like, yeah, I gave him a dollar. Give me the dollar back. I feel like they just told James Woods. They're like, all right. So the scene is that Rudy's going to go yell at this window washer and he's like, yeah, I got it. Uh, no problem. Because he like wanders out of frame. Yes, he, he comes out of focus, and I don't think the operator like knows where he's gonna go because like the guy not hitting his mark. The extra walks away, and then he's and then he like walks towards him, and he's like, did he? Did you give him a dollar? Give me he's that. Like, dollar. Give, me, give me the dollar back. Give me the dollar. And like the extra doesn't know how to react to yeah, this, I, and then I, James was then spins back around. He's like, all right, let's, let's go. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I think the extra stops acting at one point, he's right? Like, he's like, what? Did, did we no, call, we're done. Did we call cut? <laughs> what is going he's on? Like, I, I'm out of frame, right? I don't have a dollar. These aren't my pants. Yeah, I don't, the pro, they just put these on me. Was I supposed to have a prop in my hand? Yeah. <laughs> we then fade to November 1989. Rudy has lost against David Dinkins, and Aww. he gives one of the worst conspe- concession speeches in history. Where, Like he's leading a, or rather like he's in a trivia party. <laughs> he shouts at his constituents to just shut the fuck up for once. Yes. Yeah, so they, he says, I have to, I have to give it up to my opponent, uh, Mayor Dinkins. He, he is the winner. And the crowd does that thing where they go, oh, boo. boo. And so they boo. But then Rudy gets frustrated and yells at the crowd to shut the hell up. Yeah. And then he's like, and I lost it. I lost to David Dinkins. Ah, fuck it. I don't give a shit. So then he stomps. <laughs> give me off. a dollar. <laughs> Did I give you people a dollar? <laughs> Empty your pockets. They're like, we're, we're, they're not our pants. I don't have my wallet. We then fade back to current day. The second tower then collapses from the World Trade Center, which we actually see real footage Again. of. Yes. I still think it's tacky. We then cut back to September 1992. Protests are occurring after David Dinkins opts to create an independent civilian agency to oversee the New York Police Department. Now, this is a thing that actually happened. Again, yes, but maybe you were... More aware of this than I was, but watching the movie, the way this plays out is Rudy is at City Hall. Mm -hmm. There's a crowd of people, and he's telling the police, 
that Dinkins doesn't support them. He wants them to do their job with one hand tied behind their back and one eye over their, looking over their shoulder because he, he, they are not supported. They're chanting. They're like, yes, Rudy, we love you. And the whole time you're like, what is this about? Why is this happening? So I had to pause the movie and read about it mm-hmm. in like a 1992 New York Times article. Yeah. And then I find out, oh, Dinkins wanted to set up an independent oversight committee. Of civilians. Civilian that's oversight the, that's committee. That's the thing that gets them frustrated is that Rudy's come out to stoke these flames because this this they, they came down to City Hall to protest Dinkins uh, about installing these civilians. And they had police protection against off-duty police officers that were protesting and then eventually turned into a riot Yes, that the on-duty police officers, the New York Times effectively said, encouraged them to yeah, yeah. go bust some shit up. I yeah. don't care. Encourage them. Most of the, there's reports that the off-duty police were drunk. Mm-hmm. Many of them had racist signs. Yes. Many were screaming racist terms because Mayor Dinkins... Mayor Dinkins is an African-American, if you weren't aware. But if you don't know that, you're like, okay, Rudy supports the blue-collar working man. Mm -hmm. But you don't know that the the actual story is Dinkins said, I'd like to find out if the NYPD is corrupt and abusing their powers. And then everybody was like, you don't want to find out about that. Why would you look into that? <laughs> Are you sure? And he was like, yeah, I'm really, I really would like to know. Are you sure? And then the police started acting like they had nothing to hide and <laughs> protesting, throwing their yeah. breaking shit, starting a riot. And then a year or like a years later when... It all came out in the wash that, yes, that, yes that they, they were. They were cor- from there top was a down, lot of stuff going from on. From top down, they were corrupt. They were abusing their power. Everybody was right, but it doesn't matter. Anyways, Rudy Rudy calls this bullshit. He says it's bullshit what David Dinkins is doing. So here's this big time, tough talking guy who's saying the stuff that these blue collar workers want to hear. All right. And Rudy's, then Rudy's already eyeing up the his reelection, uh, another, another go at being mayor of New York City. So then we get a scene where Rudy is at home with his wife. Yes. And there's a news reporter that's like. Rudy is using inflammatory language. And you because we just heard him say it's bullshit, we assume that that's what they're talking about. Right? Right. But actually it's that he had a the reality is that he had a bullhorn and he was encouraging these obvious racists <laughs> to storm the castle. But we assume that it's like, ah, libs can't can't well, deal with the word bullshit. No, but no. it's like, no, I think it's the chanting of well, Donna, hang the N word no. is probably what they didn't <laughs> they, like. He did not. He didn't say he it, but the crowd that. said that. Donna has an argument with Rudy saying this rhetoric that you're pushing is very uncomfortable. You need to tone it down. Yeah. All right. I this whole like uh, storm the castle routine is you're going to get someone bad. hurt. And uh, Rudy doesn't really back down from it, but he says, I'll I'll think about it. Right. Rudy then tells his election team that he doesn't want to run on any race issues because his his second in command basically implies if you want to win this election, you need to kind of run on the white guy ticket. And Rudy's like, I don't want to do that. That he's like, David Dinkins can run on on, on race, but I will not run on race. Uh, He lets his press secretary, Christine, talk. And she wants the campaign to focus on crime. She says, "You're tough on crime. You're a big, you're a big man for the big thirst <laughs> for crime. Yeah, uh, for for cleaning up crime. So you, that's what we should be running on." I've never seen you and the Batman at the same place at the same time. <laughs> but if you were mayor, you'd install a phone, which right? is smart. 
His uh, chief of staff also instructs Rudy to stop blowing up in front of people because people don't want to see this man go fucking crazy all the time. <laughs> oh, if all, what a simpler time politics <laughs> were. Rudy agrees with this sentiment. We then cut to Donna recording a commercial for Rudy saying she doesn't want the this election to be about race. She specifically says, I don't want it to be about race. I know. But by saying it's about race, it's, you already yeah, do I, it. I don't want to point out his inexperience. Right. So it's, it's effectively the same thing. Uh, she says, I don't want it to be about race. I want it to be about the person who's the best for the job winning. And that's my husband, Rudy Giuliani. We then cut to January 1994 and we see a scene that Giuliani has won the mayoral election here in uh, New York City and he's being sworn in. Yes. And you his, can. his son, put it on the board. You can put it on the board. Yes. His son is repeating back the things. Do you remember that this do you remember this SNL sketch that, that they yes. did during this? Uh they had Chris Farley playing Rudy Giuliani's son. Yeah. Who was just like <laughs> fucking words and like getting bored <laughs> and walking around. Yes, I remember that from the best of Chris Farley special. But I didn't know that it was based it's on a based thing. on a real thing, yes. We then cut to a beach. The Giulianis have taken a vacation after the tough mayoral race. And... Well, they've taken a vacation on a soundstage with a green screen. Because <laughs> it is... Uh, they keep no, cutting to this no. angle of the kids... That's a real beach. ...playing with a sand, in a sandcastle. And I'm was like, a, what that was the a fuck second, is this? Second unit in Cancun. Sure, yeah. Christine is there as well, and she babysits the kids, and she's wearing a bikini, okay? Yeah. She's out now, there on the beach. And we get a lingering shot of her. All right. We get a lingering shot of something here. What are we trying to say? Rudy's leering at her. But we also get a shot of Donna more or less. It seemed to me like the way she was playing it was she knows what's going on. But she's going to allow it because her husband works so hard. Or maybe she just doesn't want to get into this bullshit. And she's also the first lady. Because she says to Rudy that now that they've actually won the election she would like to get more involved in something other than first lady duties maybe it's something with the schools or something with a not like a uh, like an outreach program right. rudy balks at this and says i would prefer if you would stay home and watch the kids right hold down the fort while i, I run the city do stuff and my assistant uh, that lady over there. <laughs> You're familiar with Christine. She's yes. a lovely woman. Lovely woman. You're going to be seeing a lot of her. Rudy goes to play with the kids, and there's a look between him and Christine. There's a look, this lingering look of Donna going, Asshole. Well, shit. You're going to uh, lose them how you got them. We then fade to 1.30 p.m. on September 11, 2001. We see Rudy holding court as he's giving more commands. He says, put this over here. Put that cigarette yeah. out. Do this. Do that. We, he also consoles a person in his administration who feels that her husband may have died in the two tower collapses. Right. He's like, we don't know what's going on. Let's hold on to hope. Let's keep hope alive. Everything's going to be Just fine. Just remember, hope floats. Uh, uh, hope is a thing with wings. <laughs> this, all, this, all this September 11th footage, the only, the only reason it's, it's, it's there because it's an incredibly important part of his life, but every time we see it, it's just to show that it's like, Rudy's in charge. Rudy's getting he's, stuff done. He's uh, he's the head of the command. There, there's no backing down. There's no sit there quietly reading a book in a in a first grader's classroom yeah. for 15 minutes after the announcement. No, Rudy's getting it done. Okay. Now watch this drive. Fade to September 1994. Rudy gets frustrated about a specific issue in his uh, city hall that is causing overages at a construction site. 
He goes to this yell. This scene makes no sense to me. I, think, I don't know why it's here. It's, I think it's to show that Rudy is one of these guys that will dig into the minutiae in order to solve a problem. Right. Because he, he, he's ranting about the fact that planned delivery to some construction site is being delayed, which is costing the city tens of thousands of dollars. So he right. goes down to one office and talks to the guy that actually uh, boards the plans. And he says, well, I send it down to this office. And as soon as it goes out, it goes out. But it, once it leaves my office, it's down my hands. So then he goes down to another office where there are these two women that are feuding about uh, the fact that they can't work together because one of them leaves their tea bags everywhere. Right. And that's what's delaying the plans being delivered to the site, and Rudy's like, "Well, then we'll get a teapot, and For we'll get each of you. Each of you will get a teapot because this twenty dollars teapot is going to solve basically a fifty thousand dollars problem right. for the city." Andrew, this is the type of this, as much as I thought this scene, I didn't understand the utility of this scene in the movie. Uh, this is the type of thing that I always, I think, everybody in our position is terrified of. That your boss will come in and say, "What exactly do you do?" And you're like, "Oh, <laughs> oh shit! Uh, okay, I knew this all right. Would come. Well, it's very important." And, and like, uh, uh, pushing it on the suicide pill on you, yeah. out inside one of your teeth. Yeah, like, oh, oh, okay. Hang on. Cyanide pill. Uh, I want to say that this probably is some. Uh, anecdote that was in the book. Yeah, it's probably a fun little story. And they're like, like Rudy was in such gr- such a granular level in his administration that he actually, ne- uh, you know, bartered a negotiation between two women who were arguing about a teapot. Right. Whereas I and probably just would fire both of them. <laughs> and like, problem solved. You just slammed get down out. The desk. You're like, get your shit together. I see one more of these, and you're both on your ass. Turn in your badge and tea kettle. <laughs> Rudy is back at home and wakes up Donna at two in the morning to look over a speech, but she's like, look, man, I got to get up early and take care of these goddamn kids. Well, she's also like an actress, yes, right? Yes, she is. She's like, like, I have a morning, to be on set. She has a morning talk show. She has some kind of food network show. Yeah, I'm doing shit. I'm asleep. I have to be up in three hours. Go to hell. Right. So Rudy instead calls and wakes up Christine over the phone so he can talk about this speech with her. Yes. Now this scene, as... We're pretty. It's easy to understand that if this was written by a white man, he would say, "We need a scene that will show why he sleeps with another woman." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, let's have the wife be upset that he woke her up at two in the morning <laughs> because he works so hard because that's needs, all... he needs support right. about so, somebody else who works as hard as he does." So you're watching this and you're like, "Oh yeah, of course, of course, Just it, screw it whoever." Completely justified. If she doesn't wake up at 2 a.m. to listen to your dumb speech that nobody's going to remember and SNL is going to do a joke about for 20 seconds and then everybody will forget, fuck her. Yeah, fuck yeah, whoever you get, want. Kick her to the curb. You should have done it sooner, Rudy. At a party, Rudy and Christine talk about the broken windows theory. So Rudy wants to amp up the amount of justice being meted out here in New York City. So he says that we're going to follow through with the broken windows theory, which, Mark, are you familiar with this theory? Yes. Okay, so describe it to us. Windows 98 was a very problematic release. It was very buggy, uh, minesweeper. People would say it was broken. No. The idea is if you go, if you're in a neighborhood that has broken, that where kids are throwing rocks through windows and breaking them, everybody, it kind of trickles down throughout the entire neighborhood that law doesn't matter anymore, even though kids throwing rocks at windows is a minor thing. You need to prevent that from happening by throwing the book at the kids that are breaking the windows so that people will see, oh my God, if they're doing that to kids, then they'll probably 
throw the book at me for committing bigger crimes. And then other people who are not criminals in the area will say, this is a nice place to live. It's regulated. The police are around. There's a police presence. I can see that I care about my community. My community cares about me. The police care about me. Everything works out. I can open up my dog therapy business here. Yes. (laughs) And that weird ski game with the Yeti will finally work. Ski free will finally work. You'll be able to escape the Yeti. Yes, it. Uh, so Rudy wants to p- put the hammer down and throw the book at people who are putting up graffiti, turnstile jumping, uh, throwing trash. It just these minor. He wants that dollar back. <laughs> that son of a bitch. He's got his. He's got that guy's picture on a yeah. board. If he's <laughs> like, I'm gonna public he's enemy. Under, he's gonna be under the Rico one. Act. He conspired with all of these other window washers and panhandlers. So then he also introduces uh, Police Commissioner Bill Bratton, who explains CompStat, which the New York City Police Department at the time started uh, putting money into a computer program that would basically track police, individual police officers' output uh, in their jobs and then track crime block to block, building to building. Now, this is celebrated as a good thing in this movie, that they are basically... Uh, like a secu- like a like a security state. Yeah, just uh, they know what's going on at all times, and this was a thing that actually d- did happen. Well, this is like the is this like the the red the red board from the wire where it's like what what are the crimes in the red versus the ones in the black? Well, or is this yes, so more the, monitoring. The idea was uh, a lot of critics of this CompStat thing said that police officers in order to keep the numbers the way they were, started sliding things around yeah. to uh, to fudge them in order to say, look at the big board. It's all down. You're doing great. The chief of staff is not so sure about making Bill Bratton a media star, but Rudy disagrees. He says, oh, Bill's great for the administration. Yeah. Everyone loves Bill. Bill loves Billy. Bill. We then cut to the New York Police Department going after everybody and anybody. They like arrest a dog. <laughs> There's like a Girl Scout. They like they're like, "Where's your permit?" Yeah, and they like knock the the cookies down, set it on fire. I think a little girl drops a uh, like a lollipop. She's licking an ice cream cone, and the top the ice cream falls onto the ground. And they're like, "Oh, you're going away, Just litter bug." Wad cars right. up over the curb. They shoot her. Yeah. They shoot her dad. Uh, yes. So this is this is a big push that Rudy made to clean up the city, and that involved going after homeless, going after panhandlers, going after majority minorities. minorities. Uh, this is the beginnings of stop and frisk. Yes. And it's seen as a good thing in this right. film. Because then Rudy argues with his staff because Bill Bratton calls a press conference and is taking credit for the sweeping changes in New York. And Rudy says that was my job. That that was my, I take credit. That was my idea yeah. to rough up all these minorities and to take oh, credit it makes for me it. So steamed. So he fires them. At night, Christine. Not yet. Not Chris, yet. At, at night, Christine and Rudy work on speeches in her apartment. They get close. You know. Okay. Right. Well, so, she records a Yankees she, game yeah, for him. So, so she, she read the list. Check. She read the list. And we're talking about the law. Check. check. And she. Decides to listen to Magic Flute. She's like, begrudgingly. Yes, it, it, it's not. It's kind of sucks. But uh, slow, I think. Whatever. Rudy gets a boner when he hears yeah. it. <laughs> they get close, but they do not kiss. However, there are lingering stares as Rudy leaves. All right, right? he's got so a, the audience is now like, oh, just kiss her, just Rudy. Oh, she gets they, you. They, they, the original just... Sam and Diane. <laughs> Rudy, whiskey com- Cavalier version <laughs> one. <laughs> 
Rudy complains. That show's getting canceled, right? No. Aren't the numbers horrible? No. It, yeah, because no one's listening to our show so that they can know that, that Whiskey, Whiskey Cavalier, Cavalier is around. All right? It, folks, everyone's like, oh, we got to save one day at a time on Netflix. No. Whiskey Cavalier. Cavalier. That deserves your eyes. And you know how you're going to get the message out? How? Everybody. I want all of our fans. Yes. Sit down. We're going to start a letter writing campaign. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Get a bottle of very expensive whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mail it to me. Oh. And then I will mail it to no. ABC. <laughs> no, no. So you... that they'll be like, oh, people like Whiskey Cavalier. Here's what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a very nice bottle of whiskey. Send it to Mark. Mark will drink that bottle of whiskey and then stumble outside and start screaming about how people <laughs> need to watch Whiskey Cavalier. I want her back. I want Whiskey Cavalier back! (laughs) Pass out. (laughs) Rudy complains about the Board of Education to his staff, which is another thing that happened during this time in his administration. We see, like, very small pieces of it, but basically Rudy wanted to privatize the school system in New York City. Uh, But then he gets a call from Christine, who shows Rudy that uh, Bratton is on the cover of National Magazine. Oh, what is National? Andrew, remember your first subscription to National Magazine? I love National Magazine, doing the jumble in the back. Yeah. Reading about all the big things happening in my national. I I grew up on kids' National Magazine. (laughs) It had those great goofus and gallons. Yeah, yeah. We'd see, you know, goofus doesn't register for the primaries. (laughs) Uh, this isn't real life. This is supposed to be Time Magazine. Sure. Bill Bratton became was on the cover of Time Magazine without Rudy's knowledge. Rudy and Christine agree that it's now time for Bratton to get knocked off his perch. Rudy holds a press conference and a press scrum and wishes Bratton all the best. So in terms of this movie, I think in real life they tried to spin it that, oh, Bratton uh, is going off to do other things. Because eventually he, he became the police commissioner in Los Angeles for a handful of years yes. and then actually went back to New York City. But in in this movie, it puts it squarely on the shoulders that their two egos could not coexist, that Rudy wanted the credit for knocking crime down in New York City. Bill Bratton wanted to also get his uh, but uh, get his taste, wet his beak, if you will. But the way this is done it like for this is a section of the movie where there's a lot of telling and a lot of referencing. Like Mm -hmm. we never see Rudy and. Bill ever like have it out yeah yelling at each other he always just tells his assistants like hey tell him to knock it off yeah it's strange it's really strange and i'm like i guess we can't have the camera not on james woods for 25 seconds you know so we'll just make sure that he's in every scene well you could have that scene where bratton shows up and he's like mr mayor how are you it's like i've been better and he throws the magazine cover at him and he's like, you need to knock Suppose it. Suppose you haven't taken a look at National Magazine. <laughs> As another coffee cup appears in yes. his hand. <laughs> yeah, I went down to the local newsstand to get a slice and uh, had this, Saw coffee, this coffee cup in my hand. At night, Christine and Rudy smoke cigars and drink casually in his office. Donna, remember his wife, what? <laughs> shows up and demands to see Rudy uh, but she stopped by an aide. Rudy then comes out of the office, and uh, Donna confronts him, saying, I know she's you're in there. Woman. You're fucking the babysitter. Hard. You're fucking, you're not fucking me. Hard. Uh, this scene is played, uh, they're all fully clothed, 
So it's like, isn't she being crazy? But you're like, they weren't having sex. This, but you're like, no, they were probably having if sex. If this was boss. Oh, yeah. They, Kelsey they Grammer been, oh would, my God. would have come out doing a big Frasier take where he yeah. like storms out of the door and like slams it oh. behind him. I'm the fucking mayor of the city. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he comes out and it makes it seem like it, it. This movie makes it seem like Donna is paranoid that there is some chemistry between Rudy and Donna, but she's over no, Rudy and you're right, Christine. Yes, there's yes, there's chemistry between Rudy and Christine, and that Donna uh, is upset that she's being left on the side. But we don't see them ever give in to any of those indiscretions. There's Correct. never a kiss. We don't see an on-screen kiss. We don't see them post-coitus. None of that stuff. Like in this scene, the setup is they're literally sitting on his leather couch, listening to music, drinking wine, and smoking a cigar. Right. Which, if they were working in close proximity to to that amount, like is that cheating? It's definitely not emotionally. Emotionally, it's it's probably emotionally cheating. But if you were in a team that had to work twenty four hours a day to take care of a city, yeah, I don't know. This movie doesn't. I, I feel like they pulled back on yes. describing like what the indiscretions were. Not that we need all the nitty gritty, but you need to tell the viewer like, yes, Rudy cheated on his wife. If that's what happened. Yeah. Donna says she isn't going anywhere and reminds Rudy that they got married for life. Yeah. Act three. We're back to present day. Rudy gives a press conference about 9-11. He says that New York City is strong. New York City will be there. And New York City is opera. Wait, hold on a second. Uh, <laughs> I got, uh, my, hold on, hold I got my, my cards confused. mixed up here. We then go to spring 1999. Donna runs on a treadmill in her pajamas <laughs> and, and cries. cries. It's now, weird. Uh, is it weird? Because, again, I, I always latch on to relatable things Andrew. anytime i've been on a treadmill i'm usually (laughs) crying i think they've that's the main reason why i don't work out at our gym is they've told me they're like please you don't you don't mop up after you're done after your tears (laughs) i hate running i don't want to do this but uh yeah so uh, the emotions are running yeah he can hear her running through the ceiling and he's like eh Rudy yells at his staff regarding Amada du Diallo. Now, were you... 41 shots. Were you in New York City when this occurred? No, you were still a high schooler. Yeah, I was still in high school. I mainly know this story because there was a Bruce Springsteen song about it. So Diallo, this is is a fucked up scene, okay? Incredibly fucked up. It's a fucked up scene, but also it's a fucked up real life event. So if you're not familiar, in the spring of 1999, there was a Guianan immigrant who was living in New York, Diallo, who there was a a four-man New York City police unit, a street unit, that was looking for a rapist that may have been in the area a year prior. Yes. Diallo exits his building. They think it's him. They then approach him. He doesn't He's he's an he's an immigrant from Africa. He doesn't speak English very well, but he goes into his pocket to pull out his wallet. Right. Because he's like, here's my identification. The police officers mistake the wallet for a gun. They shoot at him 41 times. They yes. strike him 20 plus times. Yes. And in fact, at one point, a police officer trips backwards over a step 
which made the other police officers think that Diallo had shot that police officer, which only forced them to fire faster. This all then comes to a head uh, uh, in this scene where we see the fallout that these police officers had shot at this one single man who was unarmed, mind you, 41 times. This actually inspired Malcolm Gladwell has a a chapter about it in Blink, uh, and it also inspired a bunch of... um, like uh, criminal science uh, studies about what the reaction time is of police officers when they see a white hand going for something versus a black hand going for something. Uh, And uh, all of the racial bias associated with that. Now, turns out there's a lot. The play that's made in this scene is that Rudy is mad because it looks bad. Yes. He's, he's not like, mad that they not, murdered a man. He's not mad that they shot a, uh, an obviously unarmed black man and four separate police officers just just slaughtered this man. He's like, oh, boy, what am I going to do now? Oh, woof. yeah, this was this looks bad for me. Doesn't look good. Rudy holds a press conference about this, and he just deflects a bunch of questions. They're like, yeah, about that man that got murdered? Yeah, what, by the police? Uh, what, uh, what's happening with that? He's like, um, look, I, you know, police... Uh, I think he says, I stand by the police, yes. right? I mean, that's effectively... There's also a scene that drives me crazy because earlier, earlier when Rudy's like, boy, this looks bad for me, there's... A representative, or a from the police union, or maybe the somebody from the police, who's like, if he had just complied, he'd he'd be alive. It's his fault. Yeah, but which is an argument that you hear every single time. Yes, there is a police shooting because when you read about the story, you know, it's like, oh, if he had complied, they basically said like, freeze. He didn't. He so that didn't, means we get to we shoot you. shoot him. But the idea was that he was complying and that he was like trying to show him identification right and they just they mistook it for going for a gun however at a certain point 41 bullets seems terribly excessive and uh fun fact by the way a little update on this case uh all four of these men were acquitted of course uh the also also because uh of all the to do surrounding this uh the uh the the case was moved upstate to albany oh yes can't can't, can't, can't get prosecute a, can't get it a fair here. Tri- can't get a fair trial in this no. city. Can't murder a man. Protests occur, and Rudy is frustrated. He feels that the officers were justified. You know, it's their lives on the line, not yours. Aggravating, upsetting, <sighs> very upsetting. Christine tells the staff that they are going to put a lid on it because his second in command says you probably need to apologize to his mother again, and we should try and uh, soften the soften this because it's it's it, this is bad yeah rudy's it's, like nah we'll just never talk about it let's again. just not talk about it and uh we back the police and christine says i love it yeah, it's, yeah. You're, you're a big man with a big thirst, <laughs> thirst for big big shoots okay yeah at a local cigar- you're gonna be on the cover of fact magazine <laughs> at a local cigar bar rudy's uh chief of staff shows up and quits saying, I can't hack it anymore if you're going to take all this advice from your press secretary, all right? Christine's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way, and it's affecting you. And it's obvious she's rubbing you the right way. hey Uh This scene starts with the press secretary saying, uh, I have to tell you something. It's very, very bad news. And Rudy says, the Yankees are, you could give me, tell not, me whatever not, you no, want to no, say. Not his, not his press secretary, his second in his command, second his in chief command. of staff. Right. He says, there's nothing you could say that'll make me feel worse. The Yankees are doing bad. It's like I'm being the, pursued by the law. The local Met has been the sold Met, out. And the Met is doing 
Madam Butterfly oh, again. Talk, Jesus. Talk about uncreative. And then he says, I'm quitting because you're doing your secretary or your press secretary and everybody knows it. He's like, oh, that is that that does make me feel worse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you found the one thing to say. Yeah. He warns Rudy about the company that he's keeping. Rudy and Christine then drive home. Uh, and Christine smokes one of Rudy's cigars. Rudy says his his entire life is spinning out of control. It's getting away from him. <laughs> yeah, Christine, when she takes a cigar, she's like, it's you and me, baby. It's you, you and me against the world. world. And he's like, Ugh. And Rudy like takes a cigar back. He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'll never break us apart, right, babe? And we're like Bonnie and Clyde. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fade to September 15, 2001. We're in the aftermath of uh, 9-11. Rudy informs the staffer who was worried about her husband being dead that... Oh, yeah, he's dead. He's dead. She give, he gives her his badge and uh, wedding ring that they found at the site, and uh, he comforts her. We then fade back to spring 2000. Christine informs Rudy... Rudy's dad has a criminal record. This scene this is weird. Is I so strange. Don't because understand this. throughout the movie, Rudy keeps talking about how his dad was a great inspiration and a wonderful man. Taught him everything he knows about the law and morals and and then, opera and, and opera and the Yankees. Yankees. And um, there should have been a scene when he was a child and he was like, "I want to go see the Mets," and he like gets slapped in the face. And it's like this is a Yankees family. A Yankees family. She comes in and she's like, uh, "People found out that your dad was arrested in like 1932," and Rudy flips he, out. Like, he screams at her. He throws a newspaper. He like sulks by the window. And it's like 1930. Who gives who a shit? Yeah, it was 60, 70 years ago. You can't run for reelection like. Who it, it, it's not you? It's your, yeah, it's your dad. It was before you were born, decades before you were born. Why are you like, bent on a shape you, about yeah, this? Why does this matter? It's like you can you can say I love my father. He made mistakes and I, he was rehabilitated. But I yeah I I don't know what the right. reasoning behind this is. Other to show other than to, sh- to put in some twist of the screw in the third act to show it's like oh maybe the things that he thought were true aren't true. I don't know. I don't know. So at a press conference, Rudy says that he still loves his dad, and then he's also pressed about his extramarital affairs, which he says, that's part of my private life. Stay out, okay? At the bar, Rudy meets with a woman named Judith Nathan and has a drink with her. They flirt and they talk. This scene is strange because I thought she was a prostitute because the <laughs> the owner of the bar the owner of the bar is like, "Hey, why don't you meet this girl?" And he's like, ah, "I gotta you, go." You seem stressed, and he's like, "No, meet this girl." And Rudy's like, eh, "All right, fine." Rudy then talks with his new chief of staff about Clinton's lead in the Senate race for New York. And they also discuss art in New York City and about how the vagina, the vagina monologues is gross and icky. I remember. I okay, so I don't. Rem, I remember the thing that they referenced where there was a art exhibit that was the. It was the, the Virgin, Madonna, the Virgin Mary, uh, figure of the Virgin Mary that was right. covered in manure, covered in poop. Yeah, and Rudy was bent out of shape about that, and, and I remember hearing about that. And that Rudy was like, I should cut funding because he, this is anti-Catholic yes. rhetoric. And that if it was if it was if it was a star of David with a poop on it, like that would be an issue. Mm-hmm. But everybody seems fine with this anti-Catholic stuff. And I was like, 
I don't understand why this is in this movie again. I think that, is it, I think is it just the, that Rudy's like spiraling out. No, it's I think at the end of the third act, like they just were like, we need this is the stuff that most people remember because it only happened four years ago. Oh, right. So they just have a list of stuff. It's like, oh yeah, I remember Rudy wanted to pull a bunch of funding for the museums because of this thing, and he and he didn't like the vagina monologues, and he his, was running, wi- and his he was wife is in the Senate. Vagi- is his wife was she in the vagina monologues? I thought it was is that a, part of it. I thought the thing he was knocking was that Hillary did a reading in the vagina monologues. Oh, okay. I think that's the, the oh, thing that's that what they're bringing up in this oh, movie. Because he says the first lady. I thought that he meant his wife. I, no, no, no. Who's I, an actress. I, I'm, I'm that's pretty why confident I was that, that during a Broadway show that Hillary did, because uh, I've seen the vagina monologues. All it is is just a series of readings that, that yes. women give. To, there's no, it's it's like our town. It's like yeah. there's no motion on stage. It's just people reading monologues right. about their vaginas. Oh, well. But like Rudy was all bent out of shape about it. Also, we it's need not like no, cops are murdering. And also, man, we need the know? scene. We need the scene to to find out that uh, Rudy's got a cough, and you know what the cough means. Oh, jeez. Oh man, he's like, <laughs> oh, I'm tired. I'm tired, and I got a cough. He's got a cough, which uh, uh, affected. I would love for a scene where a character coughs and they're not terminally ill or, or have some incredibly, you know, huge malady because. Again, like in Saving Mr. Banks. <laughs> that means he has tuberculosis. Well, yes, it's that or a woman throwing up yeah, in, in the, the morning, morning yep. means she's pregnant. Coughing up blood means you have tuberculosis. And just uh, coughing in general means you probably yeah, really have any some cough real terrible illness. Rudy meets with Christine in Central Park and dumps her. This is great. <laughs> this scene I loved because they're like, all right. How does how does Rudy get rid of his Gumar? And it's like he finds her in a park in a very public place. Yes, while yeah, she's the, on a jog, because because she's like, oh, you didn't want to talk to me in the office. And he's like, no, 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 we're gonna do this in the park. Uh, while you're exercising, you're fired, and I'm sending you away. Goodbye. <laughs> And then they hug, and she's like, I'll always love you or something. No, she calls him a snake. She's like, you're a fucking dick, you know yeah. that, you bastard? He's like, you're... Basically, she says, you're sending me away because the optics of your Senate race, it's going to look bad that you've been cheating on me with your wife. But she doesn't... They don't say They don't say, say it. it. She's like, it just looks it bad. It just looks bad. And he's like, yeah, no, because... At the press conference earlier, he says he doesn't give a damn what people think about him. Right. And she's like, where was that all? Where's all that bullshit? Huh? Fuck you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All I'll, right. T- I'll take your job. See you later. <laughs> Goodbye. At the bar, Rudy <laughs> should have had her box from the office packed. <laughs> she's like, like, here you well, go. She's like, oh, well, I have to get my stuff. He's like, no, no, no. no. You and don't. This guy slides in with the box. Yeah. It's like, I'll, I'll take your uh, your badge. Throws and it into co- the pond. <laughs> <laughs> go get it. At the bar, Rudy meets again with Judith and suggests going out to dinner in public. He says that he wants to be with Judith. All right. So, okay. 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 All, All right, right. Hold on. So, so obviously, the optics before were bad. Right, so, he's got the wife, but that's that's kind of distant, but they still live together. Yeah. But then, you know, went with... Uh, uh, the with, press secretary. With the press that didn't secretary, look good. Christine, got bored you know, with her. Got, got know, rid of her. She just wanted a bunch of stuff. She's like, blah, 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 blah. Shopping. Oh, Rudy, let's go to the beach. Rudy, yeah. let's go to this young people dance club. Let's go to a discotheque. You know, I, I don't have time for that. Right? I told her the list, all right? <laughs> I told her the goddamn list. It, it, discotheque, uh, unless it's a Yankees-themed discotheque, it's what, not. What it should have been was she, when he goes to meet her in the park, she has a Boston hat on. 
And he's like, <laughs> you fucking <laughs> bitch. <son of> bitch. <laughs> Get rid of her. I want her gone. At the hospital, uh, the doctor says he sees something that he doesn't like in Rudy's biopsy. And yeah, Rudy naked. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Uh, by the way, it's cancer. Oh, also you have cancer. You have ter- it's uh, not looking good. <laughs> but uh, how about that bird from before? Yeah, that was a fun joke, huh? <laughs> you know, we're all getting older. <laughs> you know, you gain a little weight. Your body it's changes. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's what, what aging's happens. all about. You mature. Rudy tells his, his staff that he's going to manage the best uh, that he can as they manage the best that they can. He then informs the press that he has prostate cancer, which is what killed his father. We then see a montage of Rudy dealing with his illness. This spurs Rudy to announce that he's going to have a legal separation from That's- his wife, Donna. However... This scene is great. Interestingly enough... So th- what I love it is that the way this scene plays is... We start with Rudy's second in command being like, are you sure you want to do this? Just tell me why you're doing this. And Rudy's like, life's too damn short. And then he marches (laughs) out and is like, big smile. By the way, everybody, I'm getting a divorce from my wife. And then we cut to his wife, Penelope Ann Miller, watching television. And she's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yes. You could have at least met me in a park and dumped me. She's like, I go running all the time on the treadmill upstairs. Jesus. It is covered in tears. Yes. Yes. In real life, Rudy held a press conference in which he announced that he was going to have a legal separation from his wife and then failed to tell his wife that this was happening. So she found out monster. about it. What a fucking <laughs> monster. It, these things tend to work themselves out. Yeah. That's what she said to himself. Should be fine. Yes. He might as well have like put, a, put an ad out in the village voice and been like, looking for she'll mom. find it i'm sure uh missed connections yeah uh she donna says that judith she's like she will never step foot in this house which is uh which is true because rudy had to move out of the gracie mansion and in with like a like a a, a, a long-term gay couple and that's why he's that's why at the top of the movie he, he has he tells his driver to go to the apartment because he's like crashing on some guy's couch. <laughs> he's the mayor and he's crashing on someone's couch. Uh, and there was like a protracted legal. That's amazing. There was a protracted legal battle, and he had to pay her a settlement. It was a it was a big to do for the two of them. Uh, but uh, you know, he he got he got to marry. He short. got to marry Judith. Life's too short. More treatment for Rudy, and then Rudy goes to the press to announce that he's dropping out of the Senate race, but that he's going to keep fighting for New York. Yeah. We then fade to the final scene of this movie as we see Rudy Giuliani giving a bunch of eulogies at several different funerals for uh, first responders that died in the World Trade Center. Uh, We then see him in his car as he's sick and he's tired and he's leaning on Judith. And Judith says, we don't have to go to the next one, you know. And he says, no, we have to get back to work. And then he says that he loves this city. We get a big crane B-roll shot of New York City. da and then this Rudy, the Rudy My kind of town, Chicago is. We then end Rudy, the Rudy Giuliani story. Mark, what did you think of Rudy, the Rudy Giuliani story? Andrew, this was really boring. And really dull, yeah. and I hated that it just showed 
clips of like stuff that you knew happened and didn't go into it in any detail. It's mainly just like they- I mean, it did. You you only have ninety minutes worth of real estate to get into this stuff and. Right, if, if like for wonks who want to get into the minutia, especially since we're so far now in 2019, we're so far removed from the Amadalo shooting or uh, the all of the stuff where you like look the, into the, it the and you're like, stuff. man, this is all fucked up. Yeah, but in 2003, they're like, yeah, I know all this stuff. Like, why do we have to? Why are we retreading all this? Right. It it made me think of like other big men documentary like movies. And big men with big thirst. Yeah. And like, I just don't really care that much about like somebody's entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think this movie would have been a, a Rudy Giuliani movie that was only about the week of September 11th would be much more interesting to me. Yeah. Because I don't necessarily care that much about like he fired his chief of police or whatever mm-hmm. like i'm like i uh, it doesn't matter like it, it doesn't really connect well, to the rest know. of the I story just, in 2003 i feel like we'd we had retread that week so many times it's like do you need to see because you had two movies that came out like a year later that were all about the fucking day of the minute to minute yeah the second to second on one of the flights like how 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 many times 93 93 uh, how many times do we have to tell that story, especially since we just lived it less than 18 months prior? Right. Or a version of the... Well, because it, the movie is about, has to be about Rudy becoming America's mayor. Yes. So, like, a thing that's about Rudy... Because I like where it starts, where it's like, Rudy was lame duck, people didn't like him, and then he became a lo- beloved by the country. Some might say... Offered, opportunistically others would say just by being himself and being the right guy in the wrong place he i think that's a more interesting story with an arc built into it mm-hmm. whereas this like what is the arc the arc, Rudy no, loves the, law opera and the yankees. the yankees at the beginning in the middle and at the end well i like, think what has changed the, actually i think the arc is is that he got too egocentric uh, up through his rise in his career, which cost him his his marriage, it cost him his uh, livelihood. You know, he but he, it didn't because everything works out fine. He gets a better uh, from the stance of this movie. He gets a better wife, and well, it, he he comes back around on it. And when he gets knocked off that pedestal, and he loses his wife, and he loses his uh, his his health. He his his edge softens, and now he's seen as like outwardly loving of the city that that he loves so much. Yeah, and that's what it is that he's a protector of the city, and even though he's got all these gruff edges, and that he was a bastard and a dick to his family, and he was he was egotistical and egocentric when it came to being a glory hound. He in the end he realized that he still loves the city, and he wants to make sure that it's 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 still standing at the end of the day. Yeah. What it, I think the biggest issue for me, and it happens with a lot of biopics, is like, what is this movie about? Rudy Giuliani. But what is it? What is it saying? Is it about the cost of success? Is it about, like, Aviator? Is about the co- like how you could be successful, but if your brain doesn't work right, <laughs> everything nothing you, you matters. Got, you got a bad brain, and You're, it's yeah, all fucked like, up. Like that's what it's about. It's about like being a controlling freak. 
and how that's rewarded in some ways and how it's isolating. In I others. think it's about the the political machinations of New York and it's about this figure that I think I think this this movie is only shining a light on the fact that this this large figure who was man of the year in 2001 yes. and that a majority of the country didn't know about if I mean, if you lived in New York City at the time, you knew all the ins and outs of what a bastard Rudy Giuliani was. Yeah. But me living in Ohio uh, as a dumb teenager, and I know my parents were the same way, that it's like they don't know him other than he was mayor of New York during September 11th. Right. And man, what a great job he did. He got to throw out the first pitch at the World Series and he was on SNL and everyone was like, what a what a grateful country we are to this man who was able to take over in a time of crisis. And I feel like this movie is like, it's more complicated than that. He's been in the political sphere for a while. Right. There's some other issues, but it still, at the end of the day, sets the table to show, even though it's more complicated, he's still uh, a, a good politician a public servant and loves New York, the Yankees, opera, and the law. <laughs> yes. And I, I think that's what the intention of this thing was. Uh, but now, here we are in 2019... Truth Six, is not truth. Sixteen years removed. Uh, just uh, let's 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 see some addendums to uh, this movie. Right. Rudy d- uh, divorced Judith in 2018 after 15 years of marriage. He's not much of a cuddler, and we uh, know this. And about well, him. It, it is is Judith is Judith Opera? Is Judith the law? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm on, I'm on the impression that I am the law. <laughs> if there was a Judge Dredd Opera Ooh. starring. Like uh, uh, Yogi Berra, <laughs> I don't think he'd be able to. He would just, it'd be just constantly on a loop. <laughs> right, he'd be wearing a VR helmet, just constantly playing. Uh, and he's currently dating a Republican fundraiser named Jennifer LeBlanc. Rudy ran for president in two thousand eight. Yeah, do, do you remember this? Do I you do. This, and he had plenty of steam going into the primaries, but he was dogged by reports about soaking the New York City taxpayer when he was sneaking around with Judith. Now, yes. uh, when people were going through the books, they found all these weird charges in different departments that were basically covering the tracks that they thought that they thought were covering the tracks of his security detail as he was screwing around on his wife. I don't I think it eventually came out in the wash that that wasn't the case, but people were still skeptical of the fact that here he was basically two timing he was two timing while two timing right like and then passing the bill to yes the u.s to the citizen he also stumbled by focusing on later primaries like florida as opposed to the first uh, few smaller primaries like new hampshire uh and then when he saw the writing on the wall after placing third in florida he dropped out and supported john mccain yeah he then stumped for Trump in 2016 and became the president's personal lawyer in April 2018, despite the fact that people thought he was a shoo-in for Secretary of State in 2017. Yeah. For, but for some reason, no. Didn't, didn't go that didn't way. Didn't want him. Uh, and then uh, now we mostly know him as a weird, crazy grandpa that <laughs> shows up on television and uh, basically spills the beans. Huh? Huh? <laughs> yes. Self-owns, I think, is the term yeah, yes. for he it, where he's like, I can explain, his... and then he's like, no, the president did know about the payments to Stormy Daniels, but that's cool. And then Fox News is like, is Wait, it? he did know? And he's like, like oh, yeah, he know. He's like, uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> and then he leaves, he, cool. he walks up, he's like, that was great. That I'm went like, wonderful. Did you realize what you said? And he's like, 
Oh, no. Oh, shit. Then he texts. He's like, uh, he knew about crimes, but he didn't know about those, those crimes. crimes. Or he's... And they're like, wait, he knew about other crimes? And he's like, ah. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Wrong number. Uh, new phone, who dis? Yeah. Or he's looking through. He's doing prop work. Yeah. Is the thing that I remember. He had the big book of law and was like, <laughs> collusion, not a crime. Not a crime. Don't no, it's see not it. not in here. Not in here. And it's like, what about conspiracy to... It, it, yeah, it, it also says like shooting a guy. Yeah, You're like it doesn't say shooting, shooting a, guy a guy is a crime, yeah. but murder is a crime. Yeah, and he also famously said, "Truth isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. Truth is not truth." Where's the camera? We'll let the dogs, the dogs out. out. We'll go down in the big book of political things, things that, that happen. Mark and Andrew say all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, what did you think of James Woods' performance? Fine. It was fine. I didn't feel like he was playing Rudy Giuliani. I felt like he was James Woods with uh, a hairline. Yeah. But other than that, I guess he was okay. I don't know if he was like nominated for an Emmy or Golden Globe or whatever the hell it was uh, worthy, like but the, it was fine. The, he was the vapor trail was already there. The jet stream of it's America's he's playing America's mayor. How could right. we not p- nominate him? I mean, it'd be, you'd be crazy. Didn't you see John Carpenter's Vampires? He was great in that. He got beaten up in Casino. Yes. Man, Casino is a good you? movie. Where are you right now? <laughs> I'm with you. No, you're not. You're a million miles away. Well, Mark, uh, anything else to add about Rudy? Rudy Giuliani's story. Uh, Andrew, I didn't like this. Andrew, what are we going to watch next time? Well, Mark, I'm glad you asked. We're going to watch this banger. From the vault of television. Isolated at birth. Until he develops an immune system of his own, he'll have to remain in his protected environment. Are we talking about days or weeks or months? Years. Trapped for a lifetime. You don't care what happens to you. Touch somebody that thinks you want to die. You're feeling like a hospital case. Like some weirdo kid who, who can't even breathe normal air because he might get sick and die. John Travolta is the boy in the plastic bubble. A USA premiere event tomorrow at 2. One central. That's right, everybody. We are watching the 1976 ABC film, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. A very famous made-for-TV movie. What? That's not... That's not. We're not watching that Seinfeld episode? No. Nor are we watching Bubble Boy. Oh, Damn it! Sorry. No, I, you I, said we're. Ugh, I, I know. I, you said, I said I you told you on me. the phone we're doing Bubble Boy. And I was like, oh, really excited. It's either gonna be that Seinfeld episode or that movie that, with the like, um, 2002 movie. Is DJ Qualls in that? Uh, I don't. Oh God, I forget. Well, no, it's uh, Mysterio himself. It's uh, it's Jake Gyllenhaal is in Bubble Boy. Oh yeah. Well, we're not watching it. Ah, oh, shit. Sorry. It's uh, John Travolta starring lead in 1976, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. That's for next time on Television Movie Night. But, of course, if you'd like to listen to past episodes, you can always do that by going to soundcloud.com forward slash TV Movie Night Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a review there. You can listen to us on Stitcher. Stitcher. Stitcher, which allows you to stream podcasts directly to your smartphone. And you can always follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TV movie night. And if you have suggestions or, or an informational, inspirational story about the Yankees law 
or opera, you can email us at tvmovienightpodcast at gmail.com. Mark, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Andrew. Hmm. You stole my thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Son of a bitch. bitch. All right. Well, we'll see you next time.